Ah, dude, what's going on? I, what do you mean? What's going on? Look at the time. Right, what? What about it? It's ten thirty. Ah, what? What is wrong with you? Is everything okay? What's wrong with you? Look at the time. W what about the time? Look, ten thirty. What do you see in the time? I I don't know what. Ten thirty. Z one zero colon. Three zero zero colon three zero colon three zero two three. Oh, oh, you're referencing the Man United scoreline, aren't you? Bingo. And I was playing the role of a terrified Manchester United fan. Very good. Yeah, the the City game was was pretty rough. Wait, wait, wait. The City game? That's that's old news. You, you know, you guys lost three zero again today, right? Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle in the in the Carabao Cup. You. Got obliterated at Old Trafford, 3-0. Oh, my God. Well, I, I mean, we were, like, playing the kids, right? Not, not, not really, no. That was pretty much the big boys. And, I don't know if you have any and, of those. And they were playing. Ah, touche. And, and Newcastle was, was playing their big boys, too, right? Not, not quite, but no, no, maybe, no? A few, maybe a few of them. What was their starting 11 like? Uh let me let me check that out right now actually. Uh, surely surely they were they were playing their big boys. I mean I'll a... tell you who scored the three goals. Please. Uh Almiron, Lewis Hall, and Joe Willick. I... Oh my god. I'm pulling up dude. I Gordon Jolatin was striker. He hasn't been a striker since he was at Hoffenheim. Richie, he, I haven't, he's just not, how is he even, Willick, Longstaff, Hall, Target, Dummit, Paul, Dummit, Emil Kraft, Livermento, and Dubravka. Oh my God. United are in the mud. With that, let's get into our Game Week 10 review, shall we? All right, let's do it. And to clarify, I'm not, in fact, a Man United fan. And in fact, this brings me great joy. Yeah, yeah. No, no one no one would ever accuse you of being such a horrific thing, would they? No, no. You'd hope not. Not when I know, at least. But it's, it's a dangerous word out there. You gotta be. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, for those of you with, with Man United friends, check in. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Jacob. I'm Jayong. And this is the FPL Fortress. All right. Uh, so let's let's actually get into the game of ten review now. Should we oh. just start off with the the other United game? Uh, the other United game. Yes. Let's let's do it. Yeah. You know, before the match started, I think Paul Merson said, and of course, as soon as I say that, you know, to take what I'm about to say, quoting Paul Merson with a grain of salt, because Paul Merson said it. Paul Merson said before the game, now is not the worst time. For United to be playing City. And boy, was he wrong because it's always the worst time for United to be playing City these days. Actually, I would I'd agree with him in a way. Mm -hmm. I think I think for for United yeah. to play City, it's it's about not being embarrassed on the day mm. at this point. And when when you're already so mudded, <laughs> you can't be you can't be disappointed. 
You can't be shocked at the result. You know, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's about to happen. Mm. You know, you're going to, you know, I mean, three, no, three, no, was pretty merciful, wasn't it? And, you know, I think for United fans, it was, you know, I, I, I think it would, it, it could have been worse if they actually thought they had a chance. Maybe. So the expectations and, and the outcome sort of matched. Yeah. It's like a prepare for the worst. Mm. Expect the worst, I should say, type of thing. Well, MJ once said, uh, if you expect disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. Sorry, which MJ? Which one do you think? I mean, there, there could be like at least three. Who are you thinking of? I mean, the first one that came to mind is Michael Jordan. All right. But it could be the one from Spider-Man. It could be. It could be Michael Jackson. It absolutely could be as well. So really, I have no clue. Take your pick. I'll go Michael Jordan. No, but he's a man who doesn't even know what disappointment is. It's true. It's true. So that leaves two. Is it one of those three? Yes. Okay. I feel like Michael Jackson would like say things like that. So would or would it? What's that? Would or would not, it? Would not. Would That's not. not really his thing. No. So I'll go for MJ from Spider-Man. He's in fact MJ from Spider-Man. There we go. Look at that. Yeah. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal yeah. job. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, as you should be. Um, Ten Hag, maybe should not be so proud of himself for for what he coached out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what you say about him at this point. Like, he he seemed like the guy who actually had a chance to to turn right. things around. Totally. To actually, what's that? Totally. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. It seemed like there was at least a chance that the the haphazard recruiting strategy would turn into one that actually made sense. That he'd build a coherent team identity, but I don't. I don't think any of that's true, really. I mean, it's at this point, it's not even that they can't get the good players to to you know work together in a certain system. They don't even have good players anymore. <laughs> Like realistically, I mean they have Rashford, Bruno, but I mean I don't think those two can carry a team to top four. No, and Rashford right now is not doing anything really. Yeah, I mean I think it is funny that so much of the criticism has been of United's best players instead mm. of their worst players. Okay, you know I mean I think there are you know definitely things to be said, like. A, play, a player who plays the way Rashford plays needs to be better than Rashford is. If that makes sense? Not at all. Like, like you know, there are certain, like, archetypes of players. Okay. There are certain, like, broad roles that a player plays in the team. And if you're going to be the, the talisman, if you're going to demand the ball, if you're going to, you know, in, in basketball terms, you know, just play, you know, isolation basketball just try to post up all the time i guess you know for for soccer that's just you know making you know try to dribble into the box you know do his little cut back and shoot off from the left type of thing Mm. i mean if you're going to do that and to actually like be a valuable player to the team you need to be really 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 effective Mm -hmm. and he hasn't provide enough in that he doesn't provide enough in anything else to make himself good enough for this team to be in that type of role 
I see. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. I, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. He's, Ten Hag has had a couple of transfer windows, a lot of money to spend. And I mean, part of it, I guess, is down to bad luck, but he's ended up with a back four of, of Dallow, Maguire, Evans, and Lindelof, which is something you'd see like. Yeah, and it, it is bad luck. Like, there have been a lot of injuries, to be fair. Yeah. But, but like, that's a back line that you'd expect to have in, like, the early Solskjaer days or something like that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, you've got McTominay playing as the number 10. That's... I mean, and, I mean United and, fans are so so desperate for anything that they they're they're happy when McTominay plays an attack. I mean, they're they're like, oh, McTominay can save us from this. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're relying on McTominay, I mean, what what does your club come to? I think, I think this is a telltale sign of of a classic problem among United fans. Yeah, What's that? they they're experiencing the problem of God. What 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 is the God that their problem is with? Well, no, I the problem of God being they don't have anybody to to venerate, to to revere. That's true. As a God, as they used to. In the days with with Bruni and Ronaldo and Skulls and Beckham and all Van, these players. Van Persie even. Van Per absolutely. And now there's there's a void. In in the in in the ethos of that club, that has not been filled, yeah, for yeah, I mean, for many many years. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I think back. Did did you see the video that's been circulating recently? It's of Roy Keane like blasting Bruno for just not being good enough captain, and and it's overlaid with the that like stupid little thing with. It was against Liverpool. I'm not sure if it was this season or like the end of last season, but like Liverpool scored to I think cut the deficit to one, and like Salah was trying to like rush the ball back to midfield to get it started quickly, and Bruno was just like like hogging the ball, carrying it, like just yeah. you know, not letting him, not letting him get it, and then like you know Salah like brushed against him and he just like went down and started flopping, and I mean he's just not the leader United need right now. He's not the leader yeah. any team needs right now. He's not a leader. I guess so. I guess so. And I guess a couple of seasons ago, he was leading by example, I think, in terms of yeah, the numbers he was putting up on the pitch. But now that's not even there anymore. Although I think, I mean, I think it's well within his right to, um, for him to hog the ball and protect the ball from Salah getting it, right? Because the, the other team just scored against you. I no, think no, no. I mean, I, I think it is true that, yeah. like, that. that's not the. The problem in and of itself. It's just that he just looked like a baby, honestly. I see. I see. I see. I like see. he looked like like six year old in the schoolyard, mm. like pouting after a, a bad loss. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, how 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 do United deal with this this void? What's to be done? Who's going to be their savior? Because Ronaldo came back. Yeah. But but that all went went to crap as well. So maybe you think the problem is with the club itself. Maybe no god can save them. I mean, I, I think I think the club is 
slightly too broad, maybe. Hmm. Like, like there's nothing about Manchester United Football Club that's like like written in that Manchester United Football Club cannot win because they have one. But I, I think in terms of the people responsible for identifying talent, making transfers, even like developing academy players realistically. Yeah. Something's just gone horribly wrong there. Right. And realistically, like they probably just need to clean house. Mm. Start new, start afresh. But I don't know what they can do because it's just been so many managers that just, right. yeah. I mean, David Moyes was always going to struggle, wasn't he? Oh, well, make you say that. I mean, I, I think it was it was always just going to be so so difficult for anyone to step in after after Ferguson. Okay, okay. Um, so I mean, that's that's one thing. I mean, Van Hall came in after that. I mean, he's a good manager. He yeah. couldn't get it figured out. Mourinho, I mean, you say what you want about him, but Mourinho, I mean, he's had so much success, couldn't get it done. Solskjaer, in some ways, was provided you know the brightest moments that this club has seen since Fergie, but I mean that ended disastrously. And then Ten Hag, I mean, he, I think you know he's he seemed like a good manager at Ajax, and then when he when he gets to United, just everything just falls apart. So I mean, there is just something wrong with United. <laughs> I think so, but I mean, if you look at the win percentages, Ten Hag currently sits above, above everybody else in the history of the club, including Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, oh, except except, sorry, except Michael Carrick as caretaker managers who managed two games. And uh, one, two out of the three. Oh. Sorry, yeah, three games. And, uh, and, I mean, he's got a very, very robust 66.66666. So, so what's, what's 10 hogs? 10 hogs is 62.34. And Alex Fergie is uh, 59.67. Obviously, Fergie has played, managed, sorry, at 1,500 games. But... Yeah, I mean... You know, they, they've had certain wins. It's true. But, I mean, does anyone look at this team and say they're not so far from where they need to be? Oh, it's absolutely a fair assessment of of United at this current moment. It's bleak. It's bleak. Yeah. But yeah. The blue side of Manchester is not, not no. so bleak. The, the blue moon shines brightly right yes. now. Yes. I mean, I, I want to talk about Erling Holland for a little bit. All right. Because All right. he's been he's been slandered, honestly, <laughs> by, by the FPL community. He has. I mean, I, I, I just think it, it's it was just downright insulting how many people like not not even consider taking him out, but like actually took him out. Right. Like, it's one thing to say, wow, I could get a nice team without Holland. But it's another thing to say, like. I don't think Holland is going to put up ridiculous numbers. And I'm actually going to like bet money on that. Mm, that's not what's happening. What's ha- what happened was people were like people were like, "Yes, Holland is putting up ridiculous numbers and I don't doubt that he's going to continue putting up ridiculous numbers." But even despite that, I will decide to take him out of my team. I I, I disagree with that. I think I think and anyone that 
actually got Holland out. In, I mean, because I think there's a difference between good numbers and ridiculous numbers. Okay. And I think the people that actually got Holland out don't think that he's going to put up like 35 goals again. They think it's probably going to be closer to like the mid twenties. That that's just what I what I believe. Okay. I mean, if that's the case, that right there is where they went wrong already. That's what I think. Because I mean, they're. I th- I think, like, they can still think to themselves, yeah, Holland's going to be the best striker comfortably, but I, I don't think they recognized how comfortably it would be. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think definitely a victim of his own success in the past, right? We talked about how if you expect disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. But if you expect phenomenal greatness to the level that Holland has been producing, it's much easier to be disappointed. And managers have grown disillusioned about him because of that. Yeah, but I mean... Long story short, I think Holland reminded everyone right before a, a very nice fixture. Probably <laughs> the best fixture in the game. One of them, yes. No, I, I think actually, I mean, maybe Sheffield at home. But I mean, Bournemouth have been, I mean, Bournemouth are worse than Luton. Uh, are they? Bournemouth are worse than like several teams. Like table-wise? Like everything-wise. Everything-wise. I mean. Do you know how bad Bournemouth are? But, but, I mean. They're 17th, and they've scored one more goal than Sheffield and conceded eight less and have five more points than them. I mean, their their XG numbers are grim. Yeah. I mean, tw- second bottom for XGA. Fourth bottom for XG. I mean, it's just, it's it's grim. It is grim. It's grim. And, like, I mean, they sacked Gary O'Neill after last season, which is bizarre. Yeah, that was that was hubristic. To say the least. That's good. I like that. I mean, I mean, they had a guy who who proved that he can comfortably keep them up for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And they're just they just like convince themselves that no, they're not actually Bournemouth. They're a team that can fight for Europe when they're not. They play at an eight thousand seater stadium. <laughs> like, come on. And they they what's what's the Icarus thing? They they flew too close to the sun, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then they came crashing onto Earth. I, I don't. In what way did they fly too close to the sun? They thought that they could reach the sun with a new manager. I see. Basically, I you know, I, maybe not your strongest work right there. I, maybe it was the wrong metaphor, but I think the point is very valid. <laughs> I I see I see what you're going for. I do see what you were going for. <laughs> um, let's should we should we move on to Arsenal five, Sheffield United zero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I captain Saka, and uh, it's unlucky. I mean, can you imagine? I I actually watched the game most of the game. Can you imagine if I slept through it and I woke up and I saw that it was five nil, and I checked how many points Saka had, and it was. Six times two, which is twelve. Like, how depressing is that? I mean, that's like, that's like a half step removed from the the Havertz seven nil Norwich. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, obviously, yeah. it's it's not a full blank, 
No. Actually, I mean, I guess the better comparison is the Salad 9 0 against Bournemouth. I feel like that one doesn't get brought up enough. <laughs> I think I mean, that, that was even more ludicrous, honestly. Phenomenal that it doesn't get brought up. Because I, I think the, the go to metaphor is, or not even metaphor, the go to reference is the, yeah. the, the Havertz. Right. But the Salad one is more egregious. Oh, totally. Salad play for 90 minutes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's it's just not okay. I think, I think non-Saka Kafner's got away with one. Yeah, unless they have Holland. Right. And can't you have anything else to say about that? But yeah, like like well done, Eddie. I suppose. Yeah. There, there's the one guy on Twitter that brought him in. Yes, that's he's, right. He's taking his lap of glory. So as he should, as he should. We all, yeah. we all. To, you, know, you know, I haven't had one of those lab of glory worthy moments in like ever. And it really makes me angry. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the way both of us play, we don't really put ourselves in a position for those moments. And that's not to say that it's like the wrong way of playing because for every one of those, there's several that didn't pan out. Right. You know, but it, it, it does look pretty cool when it works. It does. You know, I brought Hoyland in as a one-week punt playing Sheffield, and, I mean, that was the opposite of a lap of glory moment, as is the story of my season so far, honestly. I've just been – I've been uh, – What's 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 the word? I've been not even floating, because because floating. I was gonna say I've been floating in the. You've like, been million drowning? to two million range. Drowning, maybe. Is that but too I think, extreme. No, no. I was going for something like. <laughs> I mean, you can always like, use mudded. That mudded, yes, yes, or like, or like, drowning in quicksand, or. I don't know. There has to be Duck. some element, I don't know. element of physicality to it because it's yeah. been, God, it's just been anchored, maybe anchored. Yes, I've been, uh, I've been embroiled. I've been whisked up amidst a, a whirlpool. I'm all the bad things. It's not been. It's not kicked off. It's not kicked off yet for uh, for my team this season. Yeah. Sorry that. No, no. <laughs> it's it's good to get it all out. I I think so. Yeah. How about you? I mean, I I wouldn't say it's it's looking grim at the moment. I mean, I'm I'm hovering around like a million. Shit isn't you know where I want to be, but I think my team's positioned well enough that there's no reason I can't make you know slow steady improvements. So yeah, we'll see. Good. My team looks good. But by the way, I think if I hadn't wild carded, I would have scored more points last week. So I've heard. Yeah. Which is never good. Yeah. Yeah. Is didn't that happen with your first wild card last, last season? Like the game we three. Do you remember won? that? I don't remember that, but you're probably right. Because everything that Murphy's Law, everything that can go wrong will go wrong and does go wrong. Yeah. God damn it. 
All right, should we move on to Palace Spurs, maybe? Sure. I actually I watched this one as well. And I oh well, if you remember, if you recall, the one of the big decisions I had last week was whether or not to keep Sun. And I did keep Sun. And I guess that's one good thing that I did with my wild card. Because Sun scored again. But honestly, Spurs didn't look phenomenal. And I think people like have been slating Palace for their performance. I don't think they were that bad. I think they were quite solid. They say Palace look lost without Eze. I think I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, it's from what I've heard and just watching the highlights. I mean, it didn't seem like they offered all too much going forwards, but I mean, defensively, they were, you know, diligent, well organized. I totally think. I I think it seemed like a nil nil. It was, you know, before Spurs got the breakthrough. Mm. I mean, they didn't really seem to have too many chances. I I don't think they had a shot on target. I think that might have been the first time that that happened this season. And I think going into, going into, into halftime, I was really frustrated because, it looked like just one of those afternoons for, for Spurs. It looked like Palace were going to hold them out. But obviously, luck came Spurs' way because that opening goal was an own goal. And, you know, if that own goal doesn't go in, I think the longer time goes on, the more frustrated Spurs get, the harder it becomes for them to score, the more it seems like everything's going against them. Yeah, I mean, so. the, the way the way the Spurs team is set up, I mean, I, I'm still not convinced that they're going to be able to really break down low blocks. Mm. I mean, I think Madison certainly is is good for that. But I mean, yeah. you look at everyone else in that team. I mean, I think players like Rosharosa and Kulusevsky, Brennan Johnson, especially, are are more effective on the break than sure, sure. It's you know attacking. I mean, as most players are probably, but especially players like that really thrive in transition. And Sun, I think. I mean, he's he's exceptional, obviously. I'm still not completely convinced that he's got the physical the physical attributes to really like make things happen in the box, right? Surrounded by defenders, right? Yeah, I you know what's this guy? This guy on Twitter, fantasy football, Gian Batra. I'm sure you know this guy. Yeah. Oh, I I like him a lot actually. He's he's great. He's yeah. yeah, He's very um. What's the word? Not, not insightful. It's like, I don't know. Um, like, I feel like his views are are prescient. Yeah. Because case in point being what I was about to bring up, which is, I think a while ago, maybe months ago, after, no, like literally months ago, at least, he was like, Son is going to have like a Ronaldo type transition from left wing to to striker because because after I I think Son had an injury last year or something. Um, yeah, this guy claimed that you know he might start losing his one v one abilities and that going up top he has all the attributes that he needs that anyone would want um, or need to become a top class striker. And this Son to Ronaldo transformation is is I think well and truly underway. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think, I mean, Ronaldo, not really the United years, but even the late Madrid years, I mean, he was mostly playing as a striker then. He was, you know, he was very effective. So yeah, if someone can get anything close to that, I think that would be, he could, you know, definitely still be an SF for Spurs in a, a title charge. Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to talk about any other games or? Um, 
I didn't watch any of their games, so. Okay, okay. I guess just I'll mention Liverpool 3-0, Forest, Salah, eight points. I don't know. Watkins, though, 3-1, Villa. I... I, I, you know, do you know what happened here, Jacob? Because I know what happened. Do you want me to tell you what happened? Tell me what happened. What happened is I brought in Watkins solely for the purpose. I wildcarded solely for the purpose of bringing in Watkins into my team. And because of that, I broke Watkins. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, even in hindsight, it doesn't really seem like a bad pick. Honestly. No, it was a great decision, I think. Bad outcome. Yeah, I agree. But I think also, I, I think Luden aren't as bad as people say. Hmm. Like, I think, like, the bringing Watkins to target a bad team makes sense, but I don't, I just don't think Luden are actually that bad. Uh, what? Like, like, I'm not saying they're, they're good. Like, they probably will be relegated. Yeah. But, I mean, people are talking about them beating, like, beating Derby's 11 points record. And that I mean that's not gonna happen. Like wow. They're not historically awful. I mean you never know. They've got five points. I mean, Sheffield have, have one point. <laughs> right. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you extrapolate that, what's uh let me let me do some math here. Let, uh, let me I mean, I mean gonna do... they're gonna have four points. That's the pace they're on. Is that is that a like accurate number or? I mean, three point eight is an accurate number. Three point eight. Ah, but that's yeah. Oh, I mean, over under three point eight is my question to you. I mean, they're probably gonna get a win. <laughs> probably. Ah, uh, yes, I, I was. I, I I would agree with that. Yes, I'd be surprised to say. No, it would be. Yeah. Well, they don't have they don't have Lundstrom anymore. Is the is the big issue? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Who else is gonna terrify? No, I, opposition defenses. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and you know, speaking of of great questions i i'd just like to you know if if you'll notice the style of of this episode has been rather has has been rather lax because uh there, you know there 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 hasn't i feel like you were saying like fpl is kind of this week at least it's in a very peaceful place right now yeah it's it's chill it's chill i don't think anyone anyone's teams are in crisis and I don't think anyone has any huge decisions to make. I think people are kind of just relaxing. So, say that again? I think people are just relaxing. Yeah. And of, of course, this, this makes me think, what, what would Sartre make of all of this? Because, sure. yes. Mind because, elaborating on, on all that? I, I mean, if you listen to the last episode, you'll, you'll know what he's all about. Life is all about choice. And I guess I guess the lack of a choice is a choice in and of itself. So I you know I, I think Sartre would be 
Sartre would be would be okay. I think he would be. He also had this notion of of uh, humans acting in bad faith, and you know, is, is there a way to translate that into FPL terms? Are are you are you <sighs> bad faith? Let let me you know. Are, will you will you let me rant for a second? Yeah, go for and it. And you've already heard this rant, but I think the listeners. I'm gonna do it again. All right, all right. As you said, it's good to let you know to let it out, right? So, so you see, I would have been able to translate it to FPL terms. I'm sure I would have been been able to come up with something if I had my notes from class that I could draw upon to reference. But, but the issue here is I don't have my notes because I lost my notebook, and and now. Well, that, you have to understand that notebook is the result of and then basically two-thirds of a semester's worth of of notes of oh my like ass to grass pen to paper 11:35 to 12:25 every Monday and Wednesday I've written in that notebook I have tired out my hand trying to capture everything my professor has been saying and now I don't know where it is so to answer your question, no, I can't translate it, that into FPL terms, and that's 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 been weighing me down. That's actually, you know what? That, that that's been giving me a great deal of anxiety. And if you want to talk about anxiety, the yeah, floor is yeah. yours. You know, I, I think I think I know exactly what you need because <clears throat> uh, in in Paul Tillich's seminal work, "The Courage to Be." Um, he goes into into great detail about uh, anxiety as really, really, perhaps the chief psychological problem of our day and of pretty much every era in humanity. Um, because uh, what what he's what he's come to understand is that anxiety, um, is is central to our very existence mm. and. You know, it's it's to 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 be to exist is to to understand at least you know for humans is to have a recognition that you know there there is a, a possibility or really an eventuality that that at some point our being will become non-being. Hmm. So humans are defined by their condition of constant anxiety is what I'm hearing. I think humans are defined by their being. Okay. And part of being is is non-being. You know, you you can't you can't exist without the you know, it goes hand in hand, existence and non-existence. And and anxiety is the recognition in in different forms of, you know, that that potential non-existence. Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's the physical non-existence, death, there's the the moral uh threat of anxiety in terms of, you know, your life being empty, mm. your life being meaningless. There's there's spiritual anxiety. 
in terms of our our guilt, our our anxiety about condemnation, that our actions are, you know, gonna our actions are are wrong. Our actions are gonna be judged by some some all powerful creator. Mm. And you know, that those those anxieties are are they're fundamental to our existence. We can't just get rid of them. But what we can do yes. is to is have the courage to recognize that that these anxieties are, you know, that these anxieties are part of us, that they they have to exist. And not to not to shy away from them. Not mm. to, you know, not to live out a half life just because you're scared of of these anxieties. Not to prevent yourself from being just to avoid non-being. Hmm. Well, that seems awfully unsatisfying as, as like, you know, as, as a, as a, as a solution, I guess, to this problem. Would you call this a problem? The problem of, of, of anxiety? I mean, I think, I think it's a problem in that it causes people to, you know, live their lives in ways that are suboptimal. Okay. Hmm. So, so, so to to Mister Tillich, which rhymes with Joe Willick, might I add, <laughs> to, to Mister Tillich, uh, the recognition of of this anxiety and not letting it determine the course of your life that that's what he proposes as i mean i th i think anxiety it's not something that you can just eliminate altogether oh, okay yeah it's not just like a fear that you can stand up to okay and that you can just be courageous enough to overcome but what you, what you can do is is you can use courage to i guess you can say to compartmentalize mm. and to 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 reckon to recognize that this anxiety does exist that it is natural and to to not let it you know completely spread and just take over your life mm. i think this idea of compart compartmentalization Reminds me of uh, of Eben Husserl, as a matter of fact. Do you know anything about Edmund? I can't say I do. No. No. Have I mentioned him to you before? I don't think so. You mostly talk no. about Sartre. Ah, okay. Well, I you know there's a connection to be made to Husserl, and a connection to be made to to Heidegger, and I'll start with Husserl. I think so. Have you heard of phenomenology, Jacob? Uh, not not quite. No. Now, I, I would I would attempt to give you a definition of phenomenology, but I I honestly don't have an answer for you. All I know is that Husserl's work, he was a, a forerunner in the field of phenomenology, and I think it has to do with uh, the subject as in the subject um, rather than the object, as in like the human being. 
And so he thought his 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 big thing was the phenomenal the oh my god phenomenological seven syllables mind you that's like kvaratskhelia is only five syllables like that's ridiculous that's that's kvaratskhelia plus reese james <laughs> plus reese james or or kvicha kvaratskhelia yeah with seven syllables exactly that's obscene can you think of any soccer players whose names, whose whose last name is seven syllables? Because I can't. I don't think so. Because that's that's quite something. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. It would be like a Georgian, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, don't some of the some of like the Brazilian guys like they go by like. Like the one name, but they have right. a bunch of like other really long ones, don't they? But like, in terms of just one, like word, because like yeah, of course you have Neymar da Silva, what's it, Santos Junior or something, something like that, yeah, something like that. But like each one of those names has like two, three syllables max. But I mean, are I you? Guess, doing, I guess are you, yeah. Are you doing some research right now I'm on the trying. matter? Yeah, not finding anything at the moment. No, let's let's do something. Soccer players with longest last names, and let's see what comes up. Oh, oh, I saw a Greek name, which reminds me of. All right, are, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I, you can Socrates say Papastathopoulos. Papastathopoulos. Oh, that's six. Not quite. Not quite. Ah, that's too bad. Wait. Socrates Papastathopoulos. One, two, three, four, five, six. Man, man, I. There's, there's another one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's exactly a, a Premier League player. All he, right, he was a trialist uh, in 2016 for Swansea. Okay. Um, so Sotiris Papagianopoulos. Hmm. That's how many is that? Papa Giano Gian, Papa Gianopulo. That's also six. Wait, really? wait a minute. I think Papa. I... Well, I guess if it's Papa G, uh, versus ah. Papa Ja, I guess that it's probably Papa Ja. Papa Gianopulos. So, yeah, that's six. Yeah. Well, Giannis? Uh, no, no. That doesn't work. Antetekumpo. That's only five. I mean, there's probably like a hyphenated last name out there. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. I don't like, know if that really counts, though. No. Ah. The, 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 the player that came to mind was Philogene Bades. I think used to play for Aston Villa. I don't know if he still does, but... Probably not. It's a worthy, worthy attempt. Definitely. Sh sh shall I go back to to Husserl or like where wh where should we take things from here? Because because this could go in a variety of directions, and you it know could. it could. Yeah. You know what this applies to? This applies to the philosophy of Henri Bergson.
Okay, so tell me about Ari Bergson. All right, so so I'll keep this short and sweet. Basically, Bergson conceived of time in two ways. First of all, he recognized that there was object, quote-unquote, like clock time, you know, the time that we see on our watches. For example, the, the 1030 that we started off this, this episode with. And then there's uh, this, this concept of duration, which he called la durée. And that essentially, he's advocating for uh, a, a conception of time in which, uh, he, he, sorry, he thinks time shouldn't be split into discrete units, such as hours, minutes, seconds, etc. Rather, he thinks we should, uh, we should perceive time as more of a subjective experience. Because, for example, from the hour of 3 to 4 p.m., you could be spending that hour doing homework, or you could be spending that time with your friends. And obviously, uh, the experience of either of those two is different. And one would feel um, like it's mesh the hour is passing much slower, and the other would feel like it's passing much much more quickly, right? So the the big leap in his philosophy is between the concept of duration and that of, of free will. Essentially, <clears throat> so so Bergson didn't think uh, didn't think time was linear. And if you think of time as being linear, then if you try to visualize it in your head of, of time just being a line and the world following that line, then I think you kind of get to a place where you, the world seems deterministic, you know, because no matter what, the line is like there and you're just following the line. And in that sense, um, you lack kind of, yeah, you lack choice, you lack free will. And so uh, if you rather uh, take time as being like a subjective thing that's unique to each individual, then, um, you, I guess, allow for much more um, opportunities where things could branch out into whatever, dependent on the choices that you make. I think this is an exact is not an exact quote, but he said something along the lines of "life is ceaseless choice," which I don't know. I, I think I think I'm a big fan of that because I think it empowers the the human being a lot yeah i mean i think his his linking of time to choice goes beyond me a bit it's it's a big leap yes yeah i think i think it's it's certainly hopeful to think that everything we do is within our power yeah and naturally as as fpl managers we have many choices that we could make every week. And one of the most important ones is that of captaincy. Yeah, I mean, I think we're blessed with a choice of of two at least, you know, reasonably, you know, um, reasonably choosable options this week. I, that is under, understating it, in my opinion. I, well, I, I, th- I think, I think both of them are given the given the quality of the other both of them are worthy of being chosen hmm yeah yeah but i think 
once again, there's a clear winner here, right? I think there is. I think there is. And 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 who made that be? I mean, I think it's got to be. It's got to be Erling Holland. It does. I mean, we've we've talked about Bournemouth. Maybe maybe they're not the worst team in the league, but they are bad. It's it's at home. I mean, it's it's Erling Holland. I mean, I mean, he's 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 probably going to get at least a brace, like realistically. Like like th- this is. Like one of those where you would be you'd be disappointed for him to only get one goal. I think so too. Well, that being said, I think. Oh no, maybe I'm misremembering. I remember he played Bournemouth last year. I don't remember if it was home or away, and he only got one goal, six points, no bonus. Well, uh, well, in theory, he played them twice. So. Yeah, but like one of the fixtures, it ended four 0 City, and he only got one goal. So. I don't know. It could be a. Are you going to verify that for me? Uh, I'm trying right now. Yeah. Just search City Bournemouth 2022-23. I don't know, because you would reasonably expect Holland to score big. Well, in the in the, the home tie, <coughs> it was like the, the second game of the season. City, yeah, that's City what City scored four. But yep. Holland, I think, only got an assist. Oh, maybe it was that, yeah. Uh, it was and then, yeah, in February City scored four once again, and Holland scored one. Right. So I mean, realistically, you would expect Holland to to do very well here, but obviously, there's and, and I mean, as evidenced by history, City can put eight, yeah, past Bournemouth in a season, and yeah. Holland can only have one of them. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, there are no certainties in FPL. Right, and there is another option that's at at the very least respectable in Mohamed Salah away at Luton Town. Right. What what do you what do you think about that? I I think I think I think there's no chance that I'm doing it. Um. First of all, I, I've expressed my you know, disinclination towards captaining away fixtures, generally. Yeah. I mean, you've and also expressed your inclination towards captaining midfielders. That's true. That's that's very true, but... I don't know. I also think Salah hasn't been... He's been getting the FPL points, but in terms of performance... For example, I mean, we talked about the the two goals he scored against Everton, especially the last minute penalty. He doesn't get that penalty, and it's eight, eight points. points. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, you can look at that both ways. You could, because I mean, either he's got room to improve, or he's getting lucky. Exactly. So exactly. It's a question. But I don't know. I mean, ugh, it's hard. It's. I feel like I feel like I haven't had like a good captaincy decision in a very long time. One that's felt super satisfying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that. But I think there's also something to be said for avoiding bad captaincy decisions. Oh, totally. You know, like, you know, it's as good as it would be to have a nice differential captain with Salah. You know, I mean, it, it would be it would be pretty unfortunate if he only gets even like five and then Holland puts up 13, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think... 
Whereas last week we were spoiled for choice. This week, it, I mean, it does seem seem pretty. I think the the general rule is if Holland is playing like a bottom half team at home, it's going to be Holland no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any way around that really. Yeah. So maybe, maybe in terms of captaincy, there is no um, ceaseless choice. So then, what would that say about time? About time. Time. What would that say about time? I don't know, but what I can say is, is time will tell, and come the end of the weekend, we will see which of these two powerhouses was was the right move. All right, so that brings us to the end of an, an eventful episode of the FBI. Well, I would say so. I would say uh, so. You know, I, I personally enjoyed our little our little side uh, conversation about uh, existentialism and philosophy. Yes. Uh, maybe not quite what uh, any of us are used to, but yes. I, I think it's a nice way to take advantage of the, the rest that a pretty simple game week is giving us. Yeah, simple game week, definitely. And I hope, I mean, I, I, I'm going to call it a philosophical interlude is what I'm going to call it. And, you know, to those of you listening, I hope that you perhaps gain some knowledge. I hope, by the way, that I'm not disseminating any false information. Everything that I'm saying is, to my knowledge, true. Uh, I, I just want to put, put that disclaimer out there. I, I should probably disclaim yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Uh, perhaps in a couple of weeks' time, you'll have finished the Tillich book, and you'll be able to tell us a bit more about. Hope so. Yeah, that's more conclusiveness. Yeah, that's the plan. Yes. <laughs> do you want to wish everyone a healthy green? I, I I'll do that. Yes. All right. And uh, with that, wishing everyone a healthy green arrow. <laughs>